Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. What's that? It's a good speech. It was, I was kind of going, is this, a, is this a State of the Union address? Anyway, here we go. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning! Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Thursday, the 26th of October, 2023. I, I did take a cognition test yesterday afternoon. Um, yeah, I mean, they're testing my mental decline, which I know, now you're chuckling out loud. Um, but, you know, we're all declining. Uh, it's, it's, it's true, it's true. Uh, but, it, but one of the questions was, okay, without uh, looking, you know, down at the corner of your computer screen, which you're obviously tempted to do, um, what is the date? And of course, I knew the date because I had already shared it with you earlier in the day. And then what day of the week is it? And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I know that too. So uh, so there you go. Um, you are helping me every single day. That, I hope I'm helping you every single day. It's a joy to be with you. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you had to give a one-sentence summary, one sentence, I guess it could be a run-on, but one-sentence summary of the law and the prophets what would you say? One sentence summary of the law and the prophets. What do you got? Now, some of you just now, in fact, you probably did this. You're like, oh, I know the one one sentence summary of the law and the prophets. Jesus was asked that question and he said, ah, yes, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And you'd be right, but Jesus used two sentences in that answer because he added, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So um, maybe you summarized those two by saying, um, well, the law and the prophets could be summed up by loving God and loving neighbor. There you go. You got your one sentence in there, didn't you? Well, Jesus said it this way in one sentence. In everything, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. We call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, It is a part of today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Matthew chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, which we will circle back around to in just a moment because I don't know if if we linger long in our culture today uh, acknowledging that Jesus, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, uh, member of the Trinity, that Jesus has already laid out judgment on all of us. He calls all of us evil. Right here. Right here. I mean, you know, before he delivers what we know is the golden rule, the summary of the law and the prophets, he takes a moment to remind us exactly who we are. We are evil. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, from Matthew 7. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This sums up the law and the prophets. See, I told you it was a summary statement. Jesus says this sums up the law and the prophets. In everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We like verse 12, don't we? I mean, we really like verse 12. 
So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. This sums up the law and the prophets. We don't really like how verse 11 starts off. If you then, though you are evil, <laughs> we, don't, we don't like that. I mean, we don't like a judgy Jesus. We just, we don't like Jesus the judge very much. Um, so wait a minute. Jesus called us evil? Yes, he did. And Jesus knows us thoroughly. He knows us eternally. Uh, he knows us down to the cellular level. Jesus knows that God is great, and Jesus knows that God is good. Jesus knows that God alone is good. God is the giver of all good gifts. James 1.17 comes to mind. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. God is not just good, he's thoroughly good. And so every gift that comes from God is good. So let us thank God today for his goodness and his greatness, that by his goodness, we can honestly see ourselves and that by his goodness in Christ, we, though we are evil, can be saved. Let us thank God today for every good gift and acknowledge that he's the giver of all good things. And let us commit anew to the golden rule. And when you hear people lift it up, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, maybe start asking, hey, do you know where that comes from? There's this guy named Jesus, and he was sharing with people about what God really wants life to be like. And he offered this thing we call the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, that's where we get the golden rule. And Jesus says it actually sums it all up, sums up the way we're called to live, loving God and loving neighbor. All right, one headline as we embark on our conversations today. Um, two days ago, two days ago, uh, it was merely a tropical storm named Otis, but in in a number of, of just hours, it spun up into a Category 5 hurricane before slamming into the west coast of Mexico. It made a direct hit on the city of Acapulco, and uh, and so we want to be we want to be praying today for um, recovery efforts in the region. We want to pray for help to arrive. It's been a full day, um, but we still don't have. Uh, much reporting because there's very, very little communication other than satellite phones. It was a monster Category 5 hurricane. It destroyed hotels and homes and businesses. It uh, it resulted in landslides. If you're familiar at all with Acapulco, it's a million, a million people. Used to be, you know, kind of the jewel of um, of places to visit. But uh, over um, over the last decade or so, you know, it has become quite crime ridden. Um, and it's now just this mix of luxury homes and slums along the city's hillsides, uh, going down to obviously beachfront hotels, many, many of them. Um, but it's but it has a lot of competing organized crime groups, and it devolved very, very quickly after the after the hurricane hit and passed. It devolved very, very quickly um, into chaos on the streets and massive looting. And so um, there are a lot of folks stuck in destroyed hotels with no way out um, and no resources coming in. So one um, one visitor was on a sat phone and got to share with the Associated Press. His name is Jacob. He said, we were staying with a group of friends at a beachfront hotel when Otis hit. We just laid down on the floor. There was nowhere else to go. We laid between the beds and we prayed a lot. So um, we want to be praying 
alongside those like Jacob who are praying a lot. Um, and we want to pray for resources to reach the region and for people who need to get out of Acapulco to be able to get out. It was just a year ago uh, that Cedarville University Associate Professor of Communication Jeffrey Simon was uh, approached with an opportunity to consult on a project that um, we are a little bit familiar with because Christopher Yuan has shared with us here on the show um, about his book, Holy Sexuality, and it is now um, a, it is now a multimedia project that's reaching emerging generations. And so we thought it would be really fun and really good news to talk about the Holy Sexuality Project with Jeffrey Simon. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. <music> Professor Jeffrey Simon is joining us now from Cedarville University. Uh, he teaches broadcasting and digital media. Jeff, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Carmen. Excited to All right, talk well, so with you. It is. It's really exciting. Um, first of all, we're going to tell people where to find the Holy Sexuality Project, holysexuality.com. It's a bit of a provocative name. I like it. Um, we mm-hmm. remember when uh, Christopher Yuan came on the show and shared with us about his book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. That's been a number of years ago now. So um, maybe remind us what what is Holy, Se- Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, and then tell us what this project is. So uh, the book and the curriculum itself, Holy Sexuality, is really, a, I would say, a somewhat different take on um, an issue that we see all over our, our American culture, our world today, on what it is to be male, female, um, straight, gay, lesbian, all of those concepts. Uh, a lot of the items that are out there for Christians are focused on the negative, things that you can't do, things that you shouldn't be you know, feeling or focusing on. And one of the things I really like about what Christopher Yuan is doing in his book and his curriculum are focusing on the things that are good that God has provided mm-hmm. us with our sexuality and our relationships. And so his book was, a, as you mentioned, it was a really good seller. It's a great read. Uh, but as he was writing that, he was realizing that you know, uh, this is something he kind of wrote for, I guess, more of an adult audience, but he realized we did hit this a little earlier. Uh, we started having these conversations with our teens and tweens. And uh, so he started to work through developing a curriculum project to take uh, teens through uh, this the same concepts from the book, but a, in a much more engaging way. And so leading into what the curriculum actually is, it is uh, a series of videos where Christopher himself is uh, sharing a lot of his concepts from the book. If you've ever been to a conference or event and hearing him speak, uh, it's it's very similar to that. But it's also paired with a lot of really engaging and exciting and uh, amazingly well-produced uh, visual content to, again, help keep the younger generation engaged. Uh, we all know that uh, video and animation hmm. is a massive part of our our lives, especially the lives of uh, those uh, who are the generations younger than I am. And uh, just working through so many people to create wonderful truth, integrity-filled content that can uh, impact and reach a younger generation is really what his goal was. And I really think he he knocked it out of the park with the project. Yeah, I like the language of, you know, developing a resource that is for the living room, um, you know, not just the classroom, yes. but you mm-hmm. are using it in the classroom. And so um, that's cool as well. Like you're already sort of testing this out with um, with the next generation. 
So some of the things that I'm doing with this in the classroom are not uh, necessarily watching through the whole curriculum. Uh, my part in the process with Christopher was uh, really as a, an early consultant, as uh, my work at Cedarville, I do motion design, uh, motion graphics and animation. That's what I teach. Uh, we got. Okay. Connected. We don't know. Hey, hey, we don't, we don't know what that means. Oh, oh, excellent. Thank you. Motion uh, so design motion and design. animation. Mm. So when you see a commercial, a YouTube video, a fun ad that has uh, moving content that wasn't shot by a camera, uh, so it's fake, it's digital, uh, that's what I teach. So if there are words on the screen, uh, interesting graphics that are moving around, uh, if you think of animation, a lot of people think of like Pixar. Oh, so animation isn't just like characters doing something. It could be letters moving. Gra it could oh, be yeah. a letters, graphic that it's so animation. Is it is, is animation anything that's moving on my? Uh, pretty is much. That... Yeah, that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, yeah. If it's a character or creature, you know, that's what people are like. Oh, yeah, that's like the traditional Disney Mickey Mouse. But mm -hmm. uh, if we have information moving on a screen, that is motion design. So. Uh, that hmm. is kind of. What I need we a motion through. designer. I, I, yeah. I look for mm -hmm, motion I, design. We should, we should connect this with down. this. Uh, I'll, I'll send you some of my 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 students. You know, there we go. Totally. Uh, yeah, and so I don't know if if you've talked through or looked at uh, what the Bible Project does with any. Oh of yeah. Content that he had some of those animators working with him on the holy sexuality uh, curriculum, and so that's kind of a good idea of some of the types of uh, kind of infotainment content that he has again it's very information rich it's it's purposeful but it's also really engaging and really well done and so those mm -hmm. are the types of things that i teach and my background in that and my background of working in the past with uh the ministry answers in genesis uh really i think set me up well to have good conversations with him as he was trying to figure out how on earth to take all of the knowledge and the work that that god had placed in his heart and get that out to a younger generation in this format. He had no clue, like you, like you mentioned, uh, a lot of people when they hear motion design, <laughs> they don't know what that means. And so not. he had reached out and got a variety of contracts. I mean, everything from uh, you know thirty thousand dollars for the project up to multiple millions of dollars. And he's just like, uh, they all say they're going to do the same thing. Why is one have, you know, two more zeros than the other? And so we had lots of conversations talking through the process, what he wanted, uh, what might fit well with the demographic he was shooting for. And uh, I helped uh, make his initial connections with, uh, we'll say Ryan. I don't know how uh, open Ryan is with his uh, leadership on the, the project, um, but uh, with Ryan, who was leading the animation aspect of the project, uh, and took him through some initial design board concepts. That's where you just throw out ideas. And I say, I like this. I don't like that. Uh, could we change this a little bit? Uh, those types of things. And working through that and, and showing the students in my class that taking the skills that they have, you don't have to go and work for Disney or Nike or Coca-Cola or a local news or journalistic outlet uh, or a YouTube channel. You can work through ministry. You can utilize these gifts that God is developing in you and the skill sets that he has implanted in your heart and your life to reach others with truth, to help supplement knowledge from theologians, 
from critical thinkers, from major problem solvers who are looking into the issues and how to address them well from a biblical perspective in our current day, this is what you can do with your skill set. And so taking a look at these types of things and obviously looking at the truth that's inside of the process that we're working with, the integrity that we have to represent God with our, our work, our effort, our communication, and our relationships, those are the things that I've been doing uh, in the classroom. And so, again, I can speak to other things, but I want to make sure I'm, I'm oh, on yeah. the track that you want. <laughs> no, I totally. And we, when we come, when we come back, we got to take a very brief break. When we come yep. back, um, we're going to talk about another thing, but it's related. And it is right. this passion that you have um, to equip and prepare students, um, but next generation Christians to be Christians in their workplaces. Um, this is mm-hmm. this is maybe the most exciting thing about you. I mean, we love this project, the Holy Sexuality Project, oh, yeah. and we want to direct people to it, holysexuality.com. But we're going to pick Jeff um, Simon's brain here a little bit more um, because one of his passions is to instill in young people um, this sense of themselves as ambassadors of Christ in their workplaces. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Continuing our conversation with Jeffrey Simon. He's a communications professor at Cedarville University. He has a rich and broad background in uh, in animation and motion design. Uh, Answers in Genesis is one of the places that you can see his work, um, but you can also uh, now engage with Christopher Yuan's uh, Holy Sexuality Project, and we want to encourage you to do so. We're familiar with the book, mm-hmm. and now um, this is a way to deliver that content to emerging generations in ways that they can really engage. So holysexuality.com. Um, Jeff, one of the things that you you say about yourself and actually others say about you is that um, you're not just about, you know, like packing content into, uh, you know, into the minds of the next generation. You really mm-hmm. want to see um, students have the practical skills that they need to thrive in their workplaces, um, not just in terms of doing their work really well, but being Christians in those environments in a way that, you know, really brings change. Can you talk about that? Can you just unpack yeah. that passion for us? Yeah. So um, I, this is my, I'm in my 14th year teaching at Cedarville University. 
And uh, I would say at this point, it's it's my calling uh, to invest in people so that they can take what God has gifted them with, uh, in my case, in the realm of media, and use that, whether in ministry or in secular work or in their own uh, businesses or freelance contracting, to be highly skilled, to be able to do the work that they can do, but to do it out of a heart, not of uh, you know, self-proclamation or doing what's best for the client because I need to, but to do it to the glory of God and to do it in such a way and in such excellence that there's opportunities potentially through the work that they're creating, but even more so through the relationships that they have with their clients, their employers, those who connect with them saying, what drives you to do this? And then to point that back to God. Uh, and so one of the things that um, I really focus on is the fact that, and at Cedarville in our undergrad classes that I teach, we're, we're getting you to get out there with your basic skill set to do what you need to do. But also we have multiple classes that are developing your leadership, your critical thinking skills and problem solving, because we want people to become leaders in the industry, the longer that they're in uh, the industry that they enter. And so I love in my classes to walk through the concepts of motion design, which is the traditional things of like color, uh, composition, like where things are on a screen, and those are changing all the time, screen sizes. Uh, what we're doing with, uh, you know, iconography and imagery. And then for me, taking that into the realm of time and motion. And so moving those things, that's great. But beyond just understanding that and knowing that visual communication is important, but if you do it well, you can communicate well. And if you can communicate well, well, that means I can send messages that will speak more powerfully to the people around me. And when I can do that, and I'm given opportunities to glorify God, to give uh, messages of encouragement and integrity, how much more powerful is that? And so uh, one of the verses that I like, it's actually a sequence of verses, uh, it comes from Proverbs 16, 3, 9, and then 33. I'll just kind of read through this. Uh, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish their plans. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Uh, I tell students that you never know how God's going to use what you can do. Uh, he prepares us to do things that we could never imagine. And so talking through these kinds of concepts, uh, working through examples that uh, in my life, uh, in the past, currently as the project with Christopher Ewan and his holy sexuality curriculum, uh, I, I had no idea. That wasn't on my radar. Uh, <laughs> but God, through his working in my life, my past work in ministry, my my passion for motion design uh, has helped me help Christopher and get Christopher's message out. And those types of conversations are my favorite type of conversations. Uh, I'm teaching uh, particle effects, like making dust and pix pixie sparkles and, and things like that in my visual effects class this week. That's fun. But my conversations about how can I use this to supplement a sermon series, to create something engaging that may have a message that I'm, I'm on the sidelines. I'm in the background as a motion designer. People don't know names of motion designers, but they're producing <laughs> content that can lead people to the truth of Jesus Christ, whether that's here in the U.S. or as missions work out in the world or in, you know, the digital sphere that's, that's global. And so for me, that's, that's kind of my exciting 
aspect of, of who I am as a, as a teacher and, in, and a mentor and investor in, in students' lives. I don't know if that's, hopefully that's it, getting in the right Absolutely. Absolutely. And it thrills my heart. Um, I, it has never, I have actually never wondered until this moment um, who made the pixie dust that I see when I'm looking at something and all of a sudden it, uh, this is a little glittery, 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 mm-hmm, glitteriness. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. like trying to say Acapulco 10 times really fast. Yes. Um, I was listening to you. Um, I was very impressed. Well, we have to, we have to, just it's a prayer a huge prayer concern i do a, like a hashtag yes. pray then pray the news like i just mm-hmm. feel like um yeah sometimes it it's all i can do right is to pray for folks yep. in a particular place and circumstance but mm-hmm. but praying is not nothing praying is a lot and so oh, bring yeah. the power of god to bear so pixie dust back to pixie dust i now yes. know a guy who knows how to make it and so i now know <laughs> do know the name of a motion designer so jeff yes. um oh, wow. thank you Thank you. What a delight to make a connection with you today. Um, I have a project in mind that I, um, I've i already texted uh, a friend who is representing somebody, and I'm like, his stuff needs to come to life in this way because of the way, because of the generation they're trying to reach. And, and uh, anyway, and I'm just like, this is the kind of thing they need. They need help moving their content from sort of the static printed page. A curriculum is great on a static printed page. But that is mm-hmm. not how the emerging generations really engage best with information. It's not how they yes. best process information. And so um, this is such a gift. So thank you, Jeff. It's just wonderful. Thank you for having me. I, yeah. I love talking about what I do, but I love, again, saying God has placed me here and I give him all the glory. And it's just exciting to have a small part in his big plan. It's so wonderful. Thank you so much. That's Jeffrey Simon. You can find him at Cedarville University where, um, you know, the the sort of um, uh, old-fashioned title of what he does is that he's a communications professor. But now you know so much more. He really helps people know how to make pixie dust on your screen. Yes. So exciting. It's so exciting. I love that. Um, so um, we're going to pivot here to a conversation with an author. His name is John Andrew Bryant. Um, and John's personal story is a story um, racked with mental illness. Um, the challenge of growing up, understanding that you are a person who's um, who's going to suffer, who continues to suffer, whose suffering is um, a suffering uh, of of the mind which produces a suffering in every other part of life. You, you guys know how that works. Like suffering doesn't like stay in one place and remain there. So John has um, a beautiful book. It's a, it's, a, it's a book through which you weep as you read, but it's called A Quiet Mind to Suffer With. And we want to talk with him, and I want to do so in a way that honors God and honors John and honors the reality of the suffering in which um, you are walking as well. So you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Welcoming John Andrew Bryant to the show today, his book, A Quiet Mind to Suffer With, Mental Illness, Trauma, and the Death of Christ. Um, John, do I call you John or do I call you John Andrew? You know, John's fine. John Andrew is just to, if you're looking up on Amazon, just to distinguish me from other Johns. So, but John's well, if fine. You, 
If you lived in the deep south, you know, you know, we might be calling you by both names. So I just thought I would ask. So, oh, yeah. um, John, um, you are described as a caregiver first and then a writer and part time street pastor in a small steel town outside Pittsburgh. So, of course, we want to know what is that small steel town outside of Pittsburgh? <laughs> and we want to know for whom you are caring as a caregiver. Yeah, I I live uh, in Beaver County, um, in a town called Beaver Falls. It's about 40, 45 minutes north of Pittsburgh. And uh, I caregive for uh, a, fam- a family that I know through my church. Uh, I just care for her husband. Uh, he's uh, a man in his late 70s who's had problems after his stroke. So I take mm-hmm. care of him. And and then uh, and then in between those, uh, between caregiving and uh, writing, I I also uh, I'm an open air chaplain um, and uh, and a town that's well, just people are walking around and and uh, I provide presence, a chaplain like presence. Chaplain's probably more accurate, but uh, for the work I do out there, so. That's my life in a okay. nutshell. Open air chaplain. I am writing that down. Um, <laughs> we we should every single one of us like that should be. I want I want Christians to have on their resume like instead of you know the fancy. I don't know. I'm a talk show radio host or whatever. Like I don't even know what that like. That sounds like a ridiculous thing to put on a resume, but. I think that it is important for people to know that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of God, that I'm a minister of reconciliation, that I'm an agent of grace, that I'm a member of a priesthood of all believers. Like, But we don't actually put resumes together like that in the world, but we should. <laughs> right. And I, and so I, I love this language of open-air chaplain. I wish every single Christian understood themselves as an open-air chaplain, that as we are out there walking about in the world— we are encountering people who are suffering um, mm-hmm. and who and who need Jesus with some flesh on, and that's who the church really is. So I want to talk about I want to talk about that. Your book is um, hauntingly beautiful. Is this a is this an appropriate way maybe to describe yeah, what you have what you've written? That's that's fair. I'm hoping it's haunted by Christ, but it's mm-hmm. it's yeah it's it's a it's a Christ haunted book for sure, and. Um, and I, th- I think there's a lot of pain in there that that makes it a hard read. So I, I um, but uh, people that have that have gone through, people that are, it's already their pain. I think I think they've appreciated it, um, the haunting quality, maybe because yeah. it's it's their life anyway. And know. so when you when you say that, why don't you um, why don't you share with those who are listening? Um, when you talk about the pain that people are walking in, we're talking about people who suffer with mental illness. Yeah, you know, mental illness is 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 I think it's it's scary for folks and and so I provide a basic definition that's worked for me. It's you know, there's lots of things that um come around a mental illness, you know, shame or you know, there's things that can make things better or worse, but at its base for me, I just say a mental illness is is an experience provided by the brain. And, and that experience is suffering. So with my OCD, OCD is primarily um, pain, and it's 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 a it's an affliction. It's it's your mind not being your friend, and so um, and and that's from just the the brokenness of the fall. I think the devil uses it, of course, to continue to discourage. But at its base, I think our our brains are fallen organs, and when in their fallenness, they can 
afflict us and and turn on us and and uh with people who've experienced that um i think there's a lot of shame around it and and uh it may may be shame that doesn't need to be there um, because um, we all have uh organs that aren't doing what they're supposed to do but somehow when it's when it's a mental illness the, the shame around it is so profound and it compounds the suffering that's already there because the mental illness is an affliction. It's it's uh, your brain not being your friend is what I call it. Um, so I don't know if that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to ramble, so cut me off when I. <laughs> you're fine. You're not. You're ju- you're just fine. It's a conversation, and I appreciate it. Um, I actually do want to talk about um, some of the the terms because one of the unique things about your book is. Uh, the terms you use, and then the way you offer us definitions that give us mental hooks to hang those things on. We're talking with John Andrew Bryant. He is the author of A Quiet Mind to Suffer With, Mental Illness, Trauma, and the Death of Christ. It is um, it is a beautiful book. It is also hard to read. It will make you weep. It will enlarge your empathy, um, and it will uh, instill a deep compassion within you for those who um, suffer with mental illness of of a wide variety. And so we do have copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, John, the, um, the siren. Um, mm. So what what is, what is the siren? Because this is a word that um, has layers of meaning. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I... I took some of the traditional terminology for mental illness and sort of redid it in language that made sense for me. And it became a sort of a new map that I made for myself. Um, So the siren, uh, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. The obsessions are um, the unwanted and unpleasant thoughts and feelings um, or worries. So, and then the compulsions are, are uh, strategies to to make those things go away, and and the compulsions make the obsessions worse. So for me, I've I've lived with um, I call it the siren, but lived with feelings that were sort of being blared at me from my brain that that were not true, but were very powerful and very persuasive. And so I said the siren was always telling me three things: that something was wrong, um, that something was missing. And that something bad was about to happen, and and then it drove me to compulsions to make that feeling go away. Um, I tell people if you are in a car and your car alarm is going off, but you know everything's fine, but the alarm still won't go off, that probably gives you a good picture of living with OCD. Your brain says something's really, really wrong, but you know it's not, but it's still painful <laughs> because it's not it's not stopping, and that's the chronic part of it. That, that you know you can do a lot of things to make the siren dim make it less loud um but you really can't stop your brain from lying to you because your brain's just not prepared in that way to tell you the truth about reality and and that's that's the the siren part of it to uh, to imagine a little, an alarm going off that it doesn't isn't true but still is going off and to have to live around it anyway um words like that help me put a picture to the experience that wasn't overly technical, but I thought maybe resonated with everyday life. We all kind of, we know what it's like to have a car alarm going off when everything's mm-hmm. fine and, uh, and it could be pretty obnoxious and pretty painful. Um, so if you're, yeah, sorry. so I, no, no, don't apologize. So I, um, uh, I lifted up this word 
and your um and the way that you talk about it um with a friend who I perceive to be um suffering in ways that she does not um consciously acknowledge or recognize and in talking about the siren you know I just kind of tried to gently ask like you know do you do you feel like you hear this and she says oh yes but mine is more a siren song Mm. see she experiences is as alluring and appealing and something that um draws her in in a way that is seductive and Mm -hmm. she actually does recognize is deceptive but um yeah, so I just your your siren, yes, that blaring car alarm in the middle of the night, <clears throat> um, which is an alert and a warning. But it 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 can, I think, for some, be irresistible. Is that a? Yeah, that's you know, and I had forgotten the double the double the double meaning. I I I had put I think maybe it was at the beginning um, the the sirens from mythology pulling the ships into the rocks. Um, mm-hmm. So that it's a it's an undertow as well, and it's a it's a pull mm. towards a it's a pull towards a compulsion. So it's a it's a warning and it's a command. It's 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 sometimes a a seductive command, but the the command is always uh, come and and obey me, uh, obey mm. obey the obey the siren, do a compulsion, um, and um, and and the, and things will be okay. And it's uh, it's mm. it's a it's um. Yeah, it's of course. I I had forgotten. Yeah, it does. It's uh, that your friend is right. It's there's both in in a lot of ways. Um, it's a pull. It's an undertow that doesn't go away, either. You just get better at walking away from it. Um, the 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 part where you talk about the hardness of heart. This is a completely different way of understanding this for me. And so, um, will you? Um, when we come back, we got to take a very very brief break. But when we come back. Will you talk about the way you understand hardness of heart? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. We're talking with John Andrew Bryant. The book is A Quiet Mind to Suffer With. Um, It's beautiful. It's Christ-haunted. This is a book about Jesus and his suffering, Um, even though what we're talking about um, is the reality of suffering in an individual's life, um, and his name is John. But this is a book about mental illness and trauma, and the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ, and the reign of Christ. Uh, it's about suffering. And so if that is a place where you're living um, or something that you want to explore, we are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away in studio. More with author and caregiver, writer, husband and friend, John Andrew Bryant here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
Continuing our conversation with John Andrew Bryant. He's the author of A Quiet Mind to Suffer With, Mental Illness, Trauma, and the Death of Christ. It's a book about um, faith. It is a book about God's faithfulness. It is the story of Christ's nearness to an individual's suffering um, and how Christ uses our agony and our despair to um, turn us into servants, even as we are guests of the mercy offered in his gospel. That is some of the language as well. It's beautifully written. Um, it is, um, it's hard to read and very difficult to put down as well. Um, and so if you're interested in a copy, go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, John, um, I want you to talk about the way you understand hardness of the heart. Yeah. Um, Hardness of the heart took on a new meaning uh, for me. Um, it's a way of talking about pride. It's, uh, it's, it's. Um, I, I remember passages in the Gospel of Mark where the Lord is grieved at the hardness of heart of the people He meets. Um, and it, the problem with the hardness of heart is, is um, you don't see it. Uh, the, the pride is blindness. It, and and um, you see that in the Gospels too, of, of um, blindness being part of the part part of the problem of the hardness of heart i def- i defined it as a dependence on myself that i didn't even know was happening um the ways that i was depending on myself to be okay um, and i think at the base of it there's this thing in us called sin or pride hardness of heart and that thing in us says that we can that we can f- make things right and we can figure things out and that we can defend ourselves and and um and take back what's been lost and and that we can be okay by depending on ourselves and and that's was you know really the 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 part of it that the lord had to cleanse me of and continues to if i was going to make it through the worst aspects of this mental illness is is i was going to have to depend on him in ways that i hadn't understood before and um and i always have compassion uh, I have we have to have compassion on hardness of heart because it's blindness. You don't see it. Um, the point, the part, the the horror of it is you don't see it, and the Lord has to reveal it and and cleanse it. And um, so I don't know if that gets to to mm-hmm. any of it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. That thing in us that says we can we can win instead of lose. We can we can take back what's been lost. We can make things right. It's it stands so close to our afflictions and and our real hurts that we don't know how to separate it. And, and from pride, from suffering, learning how to separate the two is, is something only the Lord can do by his mercy, you know, to say, I, let me take hand, let me handle your suffering. Let me, um, right now your pride is handling it and it's worse for it. And we have to, that's something only the Lord can do. It's so powerfully tied to our hurt, our hurts. Um, yeah. That and then you talk of, about, no, so good. So you also talk about, and um, I'm not going to have you unpack this one because I want to talk about the howling boy, but the body, <laughs> a body that expects the world to end, um, your your discussion and language of trauma, um, the, the, the what could happen, the way the past lives in the body, the body mm-hmm. keeps the score, um, this, yeah. uh, you, you give language and, and voice to the body's cringing crying anticipation it's um it's a 
you like feel it when you're talking about it. And so thank you for the way um, the way you talk about it. But I want you to talk about the Howling Boy. Yeah, it. I had to meet him. Um, the mm-hmm. Howling Boy was, I, I beneath uh, beneath the, the OCD and even beneath the trauma was the fact that I was someone who was suffering losses. And I talk about these three losses that don't feel bearable. Uh, one is the loss of honor. We call that shame. One is the loss of security. We call that fear. And one is, and I think maybe the most hidden is the loss of meaning and purpose, which is called despair. And I had to really hear the cry of my soul in that. And the Psalms are so helpful because if you want to hear a man about a, a, a person dealing with those losses, it's in the Psalms and learning how to tr- hold up the howling boy to the Lord and ask the Lord to clothe his shame, to walk him through fear and to end his despair continues to be some of the hardest parts of the spiritual journey. And um, we just can't forget you know, when when you see people with a mental illness or anything, those are people who are hurting. To have an affliction like that, you lose honor, you lose security, and and it takes a a big bite out of out of meaning and purpose. And really, that's that's the that was the person I had to meet. That was the cry of my own soul, and and I I couldn't be afraid of him because the Lord wanted me, the Lord wanted me to meet him, but the Lord wanted me to offer him to him to to meet those needs. But first I had to hear the loss, you know, I, and that's where the grieving piece, I think of the spiritual life is often missed that we don't understand that we have to feel those losses so that we can actually turn to the Lord and ask him to, to, to feel them, to, to meet our real needs, the real cry of the soul. And that was for me, the put in a weird way, the howling boy, that was who I had to meet. I had to meet myself in, the John who'd suffered from this affliction for so many years. Um, it's hard to get to him. He's, he's buried under some layers, but he's there. Mm-hmm. And the Lord wanted, Lord wanted, Lord wanted me to bring him to the, the table of his mercy. That was the big point. I think I reached Lord. The, the mercies were for him. And, and, uh, and I needed to realize that. And, uh, so that took, uh, everything takes time. It took time. I think the, the reality that, um, that he's howling, um, is a part of it, but the fact that he is a boy, that it's, um, this is, this is a, this is a, um, this is a child. Um, and mm-hmm. that is so powerful. I, I was mindful in considering the howling boy. I was mindful of, um, in, um, in the Christmas Carol, um, there is, uh, under the robe, in the folds of the robe of the spirit of the ghost of Christmas past, there are these two children and they mm. are emaciated and they are um they are in serious need they are i mean they have lost any sense of innocence they are grasping they are desperate and the ghost of christmas present says that their names are ignorance and want i think mm. that i think that giving them names like like shame or fear or despair um would be the kinds of things that but they're they're there. They're in the folds. They are. They're hidden, but they're there, and we have to recognize their reality. Um, you um, you do that so beautifully in this representation of the Howling Boy. So, um, John, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the book. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your witness. Thank you for serving every single day 
um, as an agent of grace and a minister of reconciliation. May the Lord um, bless you and keep you. Um, and, and let's talk again. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. Delightful. That's John Andrew Bryant. The book is A Quiet Mind to Suffer With. We've got copies to give away today. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. And and take a deep breath if you, um, in whatever way you're suffering today, because it's not a question of whether or not we are suffering. So in whatever way you are suffering today, um, suffering demands an answer, and yet we often can't answer it. And so we offer up Jesus today as the answer to suffering. And Jesus is um, not just a, a great answer. Jesus is a good answer. And so um, find your rest in him today um, and allow your suffering to be made holy in the suffering of Christ. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour together up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.